0: Welcome to The Uplift, the show that celebrates women leaders who lift each other. I'm Carol Shabrias, a higher ed executive on a mission to help women leaders restore joy and meaning to their daily work. After more than 25 years of serving colleges and universities, I am over higher ed's culture of busyness and burnout, especially for women leaders. Leadership churn is no joke and no wonder. Higher ed works us to exhaustion, leaving no space for the passion that drew us to it in the first place. And so many of us find ourselves caught in what can feel like a meaningless slog to a paycheck. From Quit Lit to the Great Resignation to the Great Reassessment, women are fleeing higher ed in search of joyful, integrated lives. And yet we know this work matters the ways we shape young minds and prepare them to be intelligent and informed global citizens, that matters. So if you're a woman committed to higher ed and also seek joy and balance in your life, welcome. This podcast is for you. Hey there, welcome to episode 10 Oh my God, I feel all grown up now that my little podcast has grown into double digits and has more than 200 downloads. Seriously though, I am super grateful to all of you for listening. Thank you so much for helping me launch this project out into the world and for coming back for more. It means so much to me. For this episode, I'm going to preview part one of the Leadership Academy, Getting Clear Within. I'll give you a sneak peek into the content, talk about the authors and ideas that I've woven together to create the material for the module, why this is my approach to helping you build your leadership practice. If you've listened to the last few episodes, you already know how central stories and storytelling are to the work we do as leaders. Well, higher ed tells us some stories too. And those stories have created a whole generation of folks working at colleges and universities who are suffering. Those stories are at the heart of the why behind the Leadership Academy. So let me start there, let me start with the why. If you're stepping into a new leadership role, either because you've been promoted or you've changed jobs, or you're simply taking on additional responsibilities, you will be inundated with advice, best practices, and organizational expectations. You will likely need to learn new systems, join different kinds of conversations, have new levels of accountability. You may be lucky enough to be offered professional development. Maybe you'll be sent to conferences, or you'll be able to join a cohort of new leaders, or you'll be given time to do some virtual trainings. And you're smart. So you'll learn all of that stuff really quickly. That professional development will probably help you. You'll meet new people, you'll build your community, and maybe you'll even learn a few things that are interesting to you. Beyond that though, professional development like that won't help you in a deep transformational way. Why not? Because two things are true in leadership development in higher ed today. Truth number one, more of the same leadership training produces more of the same leaders. Look around your own campus or think back to other institutions where you've been. How many of your leaders have you deeply admired? How many do you consider irreplaceable? How many of them make you feel like you're biding your time until they move on? We don't need more of the same. Truth number two, give in truth number one, you know you'll encounter leaders who ask you to do things you disagree with. And I don't mean in that way that reasonable people disagree and then determine a course of action they can all commit to, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being asked to do something or to embrace an idea or to repeat a party line that you're personally uncomfortable with. When that happens, how much will your standard professional development have helped you? Let me share an example from my own experience. I was in a meeting with a group of leaders at my peer level, all of us reporting to the same boss, and our boss was leading the meeting. And we were talking about something that we all found challenging. And we were having a pretty honest conversation about what was going on, and I thought we were legitimately trying to determine our best options for action. So like, it's not a bad meeting, right? We're working on something hard and we're trying to find resolution. But then our boss shared a sentiment that he'd heard from his peers, the group of leaders at his level. And the way he framed his words suggested that he believed them and he wanted us to be on the same page. Here's the sentiment. And this is a quote. Be loyal to the team you're on, not the team you lead. Yeah, you heard that right. But, you know, one more time for you in the back. Be loyal to the team you're on, not the team you lead. I can tell you honestly, I had a visceral reaction to those words. I literally felt fire in my belly and it rose through my chest and it made me start to tremble with nervous energy. Hearing those words literally made me nauseous and jittery. I could unpack all the ways that sentiment is wrong, 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 but for today, I'll just take this one position. If you are not loyal to the team you lead, you are not a leader. If you're a leader, it is only because you have a team that is loyal to you. And the only way to create that loyalty is to be loyal to them. If you can't be loyal to your team, you seriously need to get the fuck out of the leadership business. And that is why we don't need more of the same. Because what we have is not serving us. Okay, at the same time, there are amazing leaders on some of our campuses. I personally know some fantastic folks, and I hope to invite many of them to join us on the podcast in the coming months. But if you're like me, your career has shown you that exceptional leaders are outliers. And it's my personal project with the Clario Group and with the Leadership Academy in particular to change that to help build the leadership capacity within higher ed so that we have leaders at all levels who are strong and ethical and take genuine joy in their work. And I want this particularly for women, not only for the important perspectives women bring to leadership, but because I am tired of white guys falling up and I want to do something about it already. We don't need more of the same. And that, my friends, is the why of the Leadership Academy. So let me shift and talk a little bit about the actual content, and then I'll wrap up by sharing the research and expertise I drawn to develop the first module. The key to an exceptional leadership practice is you as the leader being grounded in your values and then acting from a place of consistency and congruence. I've learned this myself in my own experience as a leader from the things that have gone well and from the places I have sucked, honestly, and I've seen it repeatedly and folks on my teams. I've seen it repeatedly with people I've coached and mentored, and I hear about it all the time from folks in my network. I 100% believe this. To be an exceptional leader, you need to be grounded in what is most important to you, and then you need to act on those values consistently. This takes intention, openness, and self-understanding. So that's where module one starts. I had a professional coach once who taught me to identify a single word that I could use to ground myself when I needed to make a decision. She taught me to associate that word with a specific image and specific sensations. When I need to make a tough decision that really has me stumped, I conjure that vision and those feelings and I ask myself this question, what actions can I take That will bring me closer to this value. And I learned this a couple years ago, but I use this practice all the time. I treat this guiding value as my decision-making compass, and it has quite literally changed my life. So I personally have a word that functions as what I would call my true north. But a leadership compass needs to do more than just point you in the right direction. It needs to do so in the context of who you are and what matters to you. So in module one, we intentionally lay all of this bare. And I don't mean bare in that you have to publicly disclose anything personal. You do not have to share anything with anybody. I mean, you can, but you can certainly keep things private. The important thing is that you do the work to chart your path. You need to know where you're coming from, and you need to know where you're going, and you need to have a practice for keeping yourself on track. So we do this in module one by completing a series of activities that are grouped into five let's say clusters, life, leadership, money, power, and values. To explore the first four, life, leadership, money, and power, I will guide you through reflective activities where you identify standout moments in your past and you articulate what those moments taught you about yourself. And we'll use all of those to hone in on a single guiding value that in the context of all of your experience feels right and true to you. And then once you've done all that work, you'll actually create a little visual compass, something you can print out if you like, or even draw and carry around in your notebook that helps you find your North Star in challenging leadership moments. So that's really the basics of module one, five sets of activities that help you investigate and articulate what has shaped you, and then consider how you want those events and experiences to guide you now as a leader. I've been testing and refining this approach for the last decade as I've led professional development workshops for leaders on campuses around the country. This version is the most refined and precise I've ever offered and I'm super excited to share it with you and to see where these reflections take you and to feel the energy that comes from leaders who get excited about leading from their values. (laughs) Seriously, I'm super excited. I also wanna tell you a little bit about how I got to this particular version. One of my favorite provosts ever once told me that I was one of the most creative people she knew. And honestly, this blew my mind, in part because she's trained as a musician and has a passion for the fine arts and she lives her life surrounded by some of the most creative people ever. I asked her how in the world she saw me as creative and she told me that she saw in me an ability to weave things together into a coherent whole that is really unusual and often leads to fresh ideas and atypical but useful approaches to solving problems. I was flattered by that description, but I also realized she was right, and I didn't even know I was doing it. Since that conversation, I've made it a point to be a leader who weaves, who pulls in seemingly disconnected and potentially random things when they contribute to a better whole. So you're gonna see a lot of weaving in module one. I draw from the work of Bill George, who is a retired CEO of Medtronic in the Twin Cities and author of the book True North. I was once at an event where he was promoting his book, and he invited the audience to doodle on a piece of scratch paper and draw the picture of our lives, starting with early memories and moving through our lives to the present moment, taking note of the important events that shaped us. He called those moments our crucibles. And he talked about how our formative experiences, those that are intense and memorable enough that you identify them as key to shaping you, how those experiences also set us on a path that shapes our leadership. These crucibles are foundational to our personal stories and our personal stories continue to guide us as leaders. I also draw on the main idea espoused by Marcus Buckingham in his StrengthsFinders books, that we are happiest and most productive when we are playing to our strengths. And therefore, the best professional development is not the workshop that tries to teach us to fill in our gaps or get better at things we're not very good at. The best professional development is the kind that lets you draw on what inspires and motivates you because it speaks to what you do well naturally, and it helps you do even more of it and to do it better and to do it with intention and purpose. I also draw on the work of the feisty Jen Sincero, author of You Are a Badass and You Are a Badass at Making Money. Jen synthesizes a lot of ideas drawn from manifesting, mindfulness and mindset to remind you, you are already awesome. And what you need to do is get out of your own way and let the universe share the bounteous gifts it's trying to get to you. They're right there, they're right in front of you, yours for the taking. I also draw on some truly wonderful, creative, high-spirited and inclusive work two women are doing related to financial education for women. The first is Tiffany Eliche aka The Budget Nista, and author of the books Get Good With Money, The One Week Budget, and the Get Richer Challenge series. The second is Tori Dunlap, aka The Financial Feminist, founder of her first 100k and author of the new book Financial Feminist, Overcome the Patriarchy's Bullshit to Master Your Money and Build a Life You Love. Tiffany's background is as an educator, and she believes in the power of education to transform lives and build communities of women working individually to achieve a common goal. She's amazing. And Tori understands that we all tell ourselves stories about money, stories that probably started when we were kids and were watching the adults around us deal with money and are still influencing us today. So in module one, we talk frankly about money and our attitudes about it. We uncover our personal stories about money so that we know what blocks us and what propels us forward. Whatever your stories are about money, we will harness the power of your stories to put them to good use in your leadership practice. I also draw on the work of marketing genius and powerhouse blogger, Seth Godin, whose work reminds us that the best ways to convince people to do something is to tell them powerful stories that motivate them to change. I particularly draw on his books, All Marketers Are Liars, and This Is Marketing. In the workshop, I will teach you to shape the stories you want to tell others about your leadership. Yes, you'll essentially be marketing your own leadership practices, which will help you create a culture where you and your team thrive, and you find ways to infuse that culture throughout your campus. And I draw on the novel, The Power, by Naomi Alderman. If you haven't read it yet, go grab it from your public library and read it this week. I read most of it in a day lying in bed because I couldn't put it down. When I did finish it, I was emotionally overwhelmed and I left my home to go for a walk along Lake Michigan. I sobbed the whole time. I mean, real, honest to God, ugly crying loud and in public. I'm sure it was quite the spectacle. The book left me with the feeling of being literally caged. And as I walked and howled into the wilderness, honestly, I kept clutching at my clavicles, which you'll understand once you've read the book. This was a moment for me. Reading this book made me realize how much I was suffering in the professional role I was in at the time, how much I was intentionally being prevented from exercising my power by the shitty bosses above me. That moment lit the spark that is now the Clario Group. So those are the primary influences in module one. By the time you've completed it, you'll have become crystal clear about the events and experiences in your life that have shaped your ideas about money, power, and leadership. You'll use all of those experiences to identify a single guiding value, a word that is meaningful to you, that resonates with the way you want to show up as a leader, and draws on your personal history and amplifies what is unique about you. And you'll use all of that to draw a compass that will serve as your daily visual reminder of who you are, how you are choosing to show up, and where you're going. So you can see why this module is called Getting Clear Within. It's all about cutting through the noise of your life's events and deciding which events and experiences bring out the qualities of the leader you want to be. Then when we move on to module two, which is called getting clear with others, you'll learn actionable strategies for bringing your leadership practice to life as you lead others grounded in your values. You'll learn how to use those values to build trust, create psychological safety and a true sense of belonging, navigate difficult conversations, and gather people in meaningful ways. I'm going to talk a lot more about module two next week in episode 11. And that's it. If you'd like to learn more about my primary sources, I will drop links to all the books and resources I mentioned in the show notes. If you haven't already, please head to the website www.theclariogroup.com and join the waitlist for the Leadership Academy. When the workshop opens in a few weeks, those of you on the waitlist will get a special discount code for registration. And then lastly, if your network includes other women you'd like to join you in the workshop, please share this podcast episode with them and have them join the waitlist too. We're just a few weeks away from launch, and I cannot wait to get started with you. All right, that's it, my friends. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week, same time, same place, for more conversation about how you can bring your full, glorious self to work to elevate your leadership practice.